that most people could do this themselves if they had enough confidence. And I think that's sort of what I can offer is giving people confidence. I don't want to be hired again. So I'd like to think that after they're done with me, they can do this themselves next time. Nobody hires me again. <laughs> I told you that before. I'm a, in, in, the, in my Yelp reviews, I'm a one or a five. Hi, I'm Caitlin Peterson, the editor-in-chief of Business of Home. Welcome to Trade Tales. On every episode, I'll be talking to interior designers about nurturing creativity, finding their firm's financial footing, setting goals, and discovering their own version of success as a result. My guest today is a designer who has found his niche and is loving it. I'm really excited to share his story with you because the way he runs his firm is so unique and it's a great example of what it looks like to make your own roles in a design business. We'll get into it in a second, but first, a quick word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by The Shade Store. The Shade Store offers designers everywhere a simplified resource for premium handcrafted custom window treatments. With a team of dedicated design consultants available to guide you through the material and product selection process, measure and install professionals to ensure the perfect fit, and more than 95 showrooms nationwide, the Shade Store has everything you need to design the most beautiful shades, blinds, and drapery for your clients. Designers receive special discounts and trade-exclusive access to the Shade Store's industry-leading COM program, which gives you the freedom to use the fabrics and trims you want on Roman shades, drapery, and cornices. Combined with the Shade Store's extensive collection of more than 1,300 in-stock materials, the creative possibilities are virtually endless. The Shade Store. Custom-made simple. Visit theshadestore.com trade to learn more. This podcast is also brought to you by Side Door. We all know it and we can all see it. The home furnishings business is moving online and the design industry is in danger of getting left behind. Designers are getting shopped by clients and trade makers can't compete with the e-commerce giants. Well, Side Door has a solution. Using a simple tool, designers can buy, share, and sell trade products online, whether that's on social media, on a website, or direct to a client. Whether you use it as an affiliate marketing tool or as part of your digital client presentation on your next project, it's a new way for designers to monetize their taste and for brands to help designers sell more product. Request access at onsidedoor.com. That's onsidedoor.com. And now, on with the show. I didn't know the term interior design until I was in my 20s, at least. I listened to a lot of the design podcasts and all of the designers sort of are like, well, when I was eight years old, I would rearrange my room or like pick out wallpaper. Um, I was into video games and like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when I was a kid. Did not care my room looked like. I hated going shopping with my parents. They would take me to antique malls when I was a kid, you know, which is like the absolute worst place a 10-year-old boy wants to be on a weekend when I could be home playing Sega Genesis. Take everything you know about how interior designers are supposed to be and turn it upside down. That's Max Humphrey. He didn't go to design school or study art or help friends redecorate their first apartments. Instead, his first creative pursuit was music. And in high school, I started playing bass guitar, sort of. I mean, pl playing is a, I guess that's the right word. Um, but when I moved to L.A., my roommate, Drew, was very musical. 
And we wrote some songs and started a band. You know, our name got out a bit and an A&R dude came to see us and we got um, offered a record deal. It, there was like a real like turning point where it was like, I don't have an, like a real job now. My job is I'm a band dude. I remember it. I was getting a haircut and the hairdresser was like, oh, what do you do? And I was like, well, I mean, yesterday I was a production coordinator for TV commercials. Today I'm a musician. Max toured all over the country. But eventually, the band broke up. He stayed in Los Angeles, searching for a new direction in life and a new place to live. As it turned out, he found both at the same time. I had always lived with like five buddies, you know? We, it'd be like, oh, we found a, we found a one-bedroom apartment. Somebody can sleep in the dining room. And then when I um, spent all this time like on the road and crappy hotels and stuff, when I got back to L.A., I was like, all right, I don't want to be around anybody any, anymore ever. It was my first one-bedroom apartment by myself. So I was job hunting and soul-searching or whatever. And meanwhile, like decorating my apartment, months into it, there was a, you know, a literal light bulb moment. That's, that's when I got into it. And I then would go to like Barnes and Noble at the Grove and read like design, interior design books, sit there all day. After I figured out that there was a job that like people do this for a living, you know, um, I trolled Craigslist and I would send off emails and they would always be like, um, I don't have any experience and I don't have a resume and I didn't go to school and I didn't, you know, um, but, but I got like a callback finally. Um, the firm is called Burnham Design. They met with me and that was my, my way in. Stayed there for a while, um, eight years, I think, and then moved to Portland just about five years ago to start my own firm. Max got into design in a unique way and the way he runs his firm is completely unique too. I wanted to talk to him because, more than any designer I can think of, he's molded his own version of what success looks like. When you moved to Portland, you launched your own firm, and you you told me before you bristled at the idea of, you know, having a particular style or being put in a box, I guess. Where did that come from? I mean, it's just nobody likes to, nobody, nobody creative likes to be labeled. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, nobody likes to be labeled, but especially in a creative field, I hated it when I played, when I was in a band and people would say, what kind of music do you play? Cause it's just an impossible thing to like reduce (laughs) your life's work into like a two word little clip. Um, (laughs) So I've always hated that. It's just like impossible. Did that come up pretty immediately when you were, when you entered into the design world? Um, it did when I, yeah, when I, you know, um, made my own website and that sort of stuff and started getting press on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting to see, you know, because all of a sudden then you weren't being asked to label yourself like writers or bloggers or whoever were were labeling you for you, labeling you for <laughs> me, you know? What, how did people define you or did you, how did people try and define you and what annoyed you about it, I guess, specifically? Um, I don't think it did. It did not annoy me. It annoyed okay. me when I had to do it. I okay. like it when other people do it. Um, you know, you're so like wrapped up in your own whatever. None of it's wrong. Um, you know, if it's called modern farmhouse or whatever, you might be like, yeah, I don't know, not quite. Um, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, that's close enough. Um, you eventually get enough of them that you can sort of like mishmash them all together. Um, and, and take your pick um, mm-hmm. and see what, like, you know, what you'd be not embarrassed repeating. <laughs> um, <laughs> Did so. you ever get to that place with music where you had that 
easy answer? No, no. It was always awful. And it was always uncomfortable. And I would have to like, I'd like go home for visit my parents for the holidays and have to explain like what power pop was to my uncle or something. And and (laughs) that's just like not going to go well. Musicians are always compared to other, like bands are always compared to other bands. Mm -hmm. And it's always like they're the Rolling Stones meets Coldplay or something. (laughs) Sounds terrible. (laughs) Um, But it's always like that. It's somebody meets somebody. And in in, in interior design, it's, it's usually not, Oh, it's Kelly Wurstler meets Michael Smith. Usually I say it's not it's, as directly referential, right? It's not as right? direct. No, it's mm-hmm. it's descriptive terms. Um, and um, sometimes they, I don't know, sometimes they're just like, you, you can just lock in. And I like that sort of stuff when you can immediately visualize what what, what mm-hmm. that is. Sometimes it's so vague, you know? Like yeah, that totally. Could, that could mean anything. Mm-hmm. Um but people tell me all the time that their work is, you know, oh, at the intersection of like traditional and contemporary design. And you're like, yeah, that's everybody. Yeah, that's everything. That doesn't that's, mean anything. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. And I mean, maybe that's good. Um, I mean, you have to have that conversation with clients all the time because mm-hmm. modern to them means com- something completely different to the mm-hmm. next person. So something, so something happens to you in 2018, right? You're in the middle of an interview. Someone asks you what your style is and you just come up with this phrase modern americana Um, and it was an accident like it wasn't a premeditated thing no i hadn't been that's the other thing like trying to like jot these down on paper Mm -hmm. like is not my style um (laughs) it it had to just like flow um Mm -hmm. i spit it out i think and it was repeated you know in the i don't even remember what article it was but that that was like yep that's perfect um i hadn't really seen it elsewhere specifically Mm -hmm. like that you know um, and I was able to picture what that meant immediately. Um, mm-hmm. modern Americana, um, that's when it stuck. And then I was like, you know, I can just keep repeating this and people will keep amplifying it. Right. Yeah. And talking about it and like, oh yeah, that's, that sounds right. So <laughs> it, it just kept kind of going and I mm-hmm. embraced it. What happened once you have that label? You know, you said, you know, you said you spent so much time in some ways pushing against having one before. Was suddenly defining that style limiting? Was it freeing? What does it do for you as a kind of as a designer? Yeah, it was freeing in a way that then I could um, I could interpret that however I wanted, and I could sort of operate outside of it mm-hmm. comfortably too. You know, it was nice having that limitation in a way because then I, you know, as a pain in the ass contrarian, I could then go, well, I don't <laughs> want to do that tomorrow at this job I want to paint everything pink and that's not modern Americana but now it is you know because I say it Mm -hmm. is um (laughs) something that could have been limiting because then you're Mm -hmm. stuck in it and I could see like other designers if you sort of pick the wrong one or if somebody picks it for you and it's you're stuck with it then I feel Mm -hmm. like you can really like really want to rebel against it but now I embrace it and especially you know now going forward in my career where I'm doing product design and licensing Mm -hmm. deals and stuff like that. It's very helpful. In terms of kind of having a name to put on things or in terms of being able to communicate what your brand is? Both, both. I mean, it's like the modern Americana collection, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and you can visualize what that is. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, I have a book coming out and that was, you know, the book is called Modern Americana. That was helpful. Um, Naming things is super hard. (laughs) Um, like coming up with a band name was excruciating, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, having this name that you like or this label that you like is now like, I'm just going to stamp it on everything. Um, 
and you know just from like a marketing or advertising um perspective you know that the trope is you have to hear something 10 times or whatever it is before it sticks so yeah the more i repeat it sort of the the more i don't know the, the, the more, more powerful other, it is kind the of more right? powerful and the more other people run with it too mm-hmm. um so yeah uh, one thing I think is so interesting about you and the way you run your business is that when clients are hiring you, they're hiring your modern Americana aesthetic, but they're really, they're hiring you. Yeah. Cause I, yeah. Cause I have no employees. You mean? <laughs> well, that too. But yeah, I mean, they really are at this point kind of connecting with who you are, what you do. Has that always been true? No, I mean, that takes, that takes a while. Cause you know, you, you always want somebody to hire you for what you do mm-hmm. and not sit there at some design meeting where client is showing you Pinterest pages of other people's work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want the inspiration that the client shares of what they want to be from my own portfolio. Mm-hmm. That's what I can do. Um, and that's what I want to do. Um, you know, that takes a body of work to be able to do that and being comfortable enough to go I'm not going to look at your Pinterest page. Um, you know, <laughs> you can look at my website. Um, you know, uh, do you, is that a conversation you have with clients now? I mean, in a way, it, some people just love playing on Pinterest and making boards mm-hmm. and that's fine. And they can do that. Um, we're not going to sit there and talk about every, every pin, every pin. Yeah. yeah. Um, if that's what they need to do, um, then fine. But beyond that, uh, I don't, I don't really work off inspiration like that. Um, I'm mm-hmm. very product driven. I like to look at, I like to go shopping. That's how I, that's how I sort of get creative and, 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 uh, design. Well, tell me a little bit about that. Tell me about your relationship with your clients, how you work with them. Um, it's a collaboration. Um, you know, mm-hmm. partly that, that could be partly the, my sort of personality. Um, but it's also mm-hmm. a Portland dynamic. Um, you know, there's a little bit less of a, for me, uh, my client base is a little bit less interested in this like full service um, thing where they just hand me a key to their house and a blank check, um, which I couldn't do. Or what do they want? I say, what do they do. want instead? They want to be involved in the process. Um, okay. And I want them involved. You know, we're we're sort of co- coworkers in a way. Um, I put clients to work. I'm not. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. Uh, we're there. What do you mean by that? I mean, I'll send them shopping or I'll make them put something, you know, put something shows up in the mail and it needs to be assembled and that's on them. Um, <laughs> like, um, give me a break. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's like we're at my best projects. This doesn't always happen. My best projects are when client has the interest and the time to be, to do everything with me. We go shopping together. We go to tile showroom together we go to the cabinet hardware place together plumbing showroom together um and that way we're picking stuff out you know together um it's their house mm-hmm. um it ends up i think looking more organic in terms of this wasn't something an interior designer was like swooped in and mm-hmm. installed in a day which is not something i do anyway it's more i don't know it's more fun that way for me are you when you take that client shopping, have you gone looking ahead of time? Are you sort of pre-editing what they see? Or is it really about 
kind of editing down with them in the moment? Um, sometimes it sort of depends. Sometimes, sometimes their eyes glaze over, you know, if you take them somewhere <laughs> in a tile showroom, right? But sometimes I'll pre-shop a bit or pull some things, but they're grown-ups; they can handle mm-hmm. it, you know. Um, and if they can't, and they need to like go outside for some air, then that's probably the end of it. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what people are drawn to immediately mm-hmm. without me like leading them. But also mm-hmm. I have a relationship sort of with my clients where I can really reel them back in and get them to focus and, you know, say, I'm not using that <laughs> or, or whatever. <laughs> um, also I use the same stuff a lot, you know, mm-hmm. um, I like to play, I play the hits. Um, mm-hmm. but I say, so a lot of times I'll go to the wall that the top, the wall that, ansax that you know i like to use um we obviously mm-hmm. know we're not going to go to the fancy section with the marble you know i don't th- i think most of my clients can sort of anticipate what i'm gonna like more so than i can anticipate what they're gonna like Interesting. clients are very like you- eager to please you as a designer you know it's all about like being um getting these like confirmations. Mm-hmm. I'll say, do they, do they want to pick something that you like or do they want the affirmation that you like what they picked or kind of where does that one, chicken or egg Yeah, one or the other. Out? One or the other. I mm-hmm. think they like to, they like to pick something and then I sort of give them the go ahead, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's like that. Like, most people could do this themselves if they had enough confidence. And I think that's sort of what I can offer is giving people confidence. I don't want to be hired again by any by by anybody so i'd like to think that after they're done with me they can do this themselves next time that's really interesting so many people tell me that repeat clients are sort of their bread and butter you know you do one house and then you come back they come back for the next one yeah you no, want one and done. Me again <laughs> <laughs> i told you that before i'm a in in, the, uh-huh. in my yelp reviews i'm a one or a five mm-hmm. um and uh i don't know it's yeah part of that's me probably. Um, I do have, I have had repeat clients. Um, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times I'm designing a forever home for somebody like what's, Mm -hmm. what's after that. Um, I don't know the the process of a, like designing a home from the ground up that takes two years. I'd like to stay friends with the client after that, but I don't know if we necessarily need to work together again. Like what else can I do creatively? Um, if I gave it my all like the first time around, I do feel like I might just be trying to one up my like my own design from the from the first mm-hmm. time. Um, yeah, that doesn't that's no that doesn't seem fun to me. Change is good. That's so interesting. What or or you know or it's like it it worked out okay and they wouldn't hire me again anyway because. <laughs> We're taking a quick break from the show to remind designers about the Shade Stores trade program with special discounts on custom window treatments. Designers enjoy unlimited free swatches and access to exclusive designer collections and COM on Roman shades, drapery, and cornices. The Shade Store also offers free professional measurements, installation options, and expert design advice whenever you need it. Let the Shade Store take care of window treatments for you. The Shade Store, custom made simple. Sign up for a trade account today at theshadestore.com slash trade. How do you decide what you say yes to? How do you set expectations for clients in the beginning? And how do you really teach them what to expect before they embark on this process with you? I mean, I'm still working on that. I try very hard to 
manage expectations from the beginning and say, it's not like it is on TV and it's not like it is in uh, maybe other designers. I'm not going to show up with a binder with your whole house picked out with everything labeled with a, you know, I don't own a label maker. Um, <laughs> and I don't make those mood board things with those like flat lay mood board things um, that, that people do. I don't know what those are called. You know what I'm talking about when people mood are, boards, flat lays. Yeah. Yep. Like Photoshop when they like Photoshop them, like with, Oh, like a 2d, 2D rendering, rendering things. Yeah. I don't do that. Um, so it's not going to be like that. Um, you know, I'm also, I'm one person. I don't have assistance to project managers. So you're going to have to deal with deliveries probably. And, you know, I might need to send you to pick something up, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and if, you know, sometimes it's like, that's exactly what I'm looking for, especially if it's a client that's done design before worked with designers, maybe they're a little bit older, um, and don't need that handholding want to be sort of, they want a partner in the process, but don't necessarily need, mm-hmm. um, a full, full service. Um, they need the creativity mm-hmm. and the, you know, the resources, um, but not necessarily the, the service that some other clients expect and some other designers offer. Um, I have no interest in doing mm-hmm. that. Um, I don't want to be around <laughs> people that require that either. Um, you know, it's like grow mm-hmm. up and, and make your own bed. Um, <laughs> go buy your own light bulbs. Don't, you know, um, mm-hmm. we're all adults. I mean, that could sound snarker, snarky, but that also enables me to, like, I don't have to staff up, you know, because I'm not dealing with, like, a bunch of mm-hmm. crap during the day. Um, so I can say no to most projects that come my way. What does that day-to-day look like? Or what does the shopping look like? You know, if because I know you said you're not doing the whole room at one time. What's your relationship with the client as you build that room out over time? I mean, I try, you know, I buy, I like to buy one thing at a time. Um, mm-hmm. So if it's a new house, let's start with the sofa in the living room. It's the biggest thing, <laughs> you know, um, mm-hmm. let's pick it out. Um, you know, either where right now it's going to take the longest to get, going to take the longest to get, let's decide on it. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe we'll decide on the fabric now. Maybe we'll just have some in mind and let's order it. And then tomorrow let's think about chairs and next week, maybe we'll pick out a couple rugs. You know, what, one thing that comes up a lot that I always try and set the expectation for is if a client can be shown one thing on its own, you know, like separate from one piece of furniture or one whatever mm-hmm. swatch of fabric or wallpaper or lamp or, or rug or anything. If they say, oh, I like it, but I don't see how it fits in, you know, or how mm-hmm. it will fit in, or I need to see how it fits in, then that's the end of the conversation. Um, Just the end of the that's it. relationship? It's that's like, okay. Um, I mean, why, if it's a really weird thing, like if it's a stretch, then it's like, okay, we'll keep this in mind. But um, just because, I mean, I don't shop like that personally and I Mm -hmm. wouldn't want to do that for anyone else. I don't design my own. I think one thing I try and do is offer the same sort of creative level or whatever that I design my own house with. I don't go Mm -hmm. do a binder and 2D renderings of my own house. I go shopping and if I see something cool, I buy it. And Mm -hmm. maybe I've got a spot for it or maybe I don't right away. Um, But I know I love it you know, and I can't leave the store without it. And so I eventually make it work. Um, so that's what I try and do for, for other people. I can't imagine, mm-hmm. like, it, it's weird. A lot of designers are in, 
in industry and have a career where they wouldn't do that process like themselves. Maybe they do. I guess some designers really probably do do that now that I think about it. Like real type A, like I'm moving and I'm going to design my house on, on paper before I buy anything, just like I would for a client. But um, that would drive me bonkers. So um, yeah, so we buy one thing at a time. Um, okay. And, you know, and eventually it fills the house um, and hopefully it doesn't look too decorated. Um, and hopefully it makes clients feel like they picked everything out, you know, since they were involved step-by-step as opposed to. There isn't that ego piece in it for you where like, it needs to be your name on it and it has to be like, Oh, this looks like Matt. I mean, it always does. And client, a lot of my clients will joke and be like, this isn't even, this is your house, you know, it's Max's house. (laughs) Um, but you know, I, I do think. I do think sort of decorating around a piece at a time makes it a little more digestible. Portland's a little different than maybe New York or LA where it's not, there isn't like this cachet of, Oh, I'm going, my designer pick this. Like I'll send clients to, if I can't go and I need, and I'm like, you need to go sit on this chair right away. Uh I have clients that will go and they won't be like, my designer sent me here. They'll say, my friend Max sent me over here. We're looking for a chair. <laughs> they, I, not because I tell them to say that or anything. It's just that's more of the relationship. Um, like that's how they see your relationship. Yeah, and that's how they want They don't necessarily want to like shout it from the rooftops or tell their friends that they have a decorator. Um, mm-hmm. you know, um, is that a Portland? I mean, you, you know, is that specifically a Portland thing? And that's why this works? I think so. Or is it a certain yeah. type of client? Or, or is it something about you? Uh, it's probably both. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely a Portland thing. I mean, I don't know. There's not as much of a showy offiness um, mm-hmm. here. People sort of drive modest cars, even if they're, they've got tons of money. So I think it's both. It's it's me and it's them, probably. It's, a, it's the right place for me, for sure, like professionally. Do you think there's opportunity for more designers to take this approach? I'm sure. I mean, everybody's goals are different. Um, I listen mm-hmm. to the your your podcast and the BOH podcast, mm-hmm. and it does seem like people really like having a staff and design assistants and project managers and an office and overhead. <laughs> um, <laughs> and all that just sounds... Um, to me, it just means like, then you've got to take on bad jobs to pay for everything and everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I live pretty modestly. Um, I can say no to money jobs. Um, mm-hmm. And I can say no to bad jobs. And I can have fun and be creative. One thing people in any industry sort of or any sort of business model think about is, is, is really diversifying your income stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, my main, my income stream isn't 100% interior design, like design fees and commissions. Um, I'm trying to work it out where it's, that's a part of it. Yeah. Um, But there's other income too. So if there's, you know, if there's change in the economy or change in the marketplace, or if I don't want to take a bunch of design jobs, but I have some passive income elsewhere, whether, whether it's through, um, you know, affiliate links on my, Instagram stories or, you know, uh, art directing gigs or book advance or book, book deals or product net proceeds or whatever, you know, um, Mm -hmm. it's like death by a million paper cuts. 
Um, but you know, or, or, or hopefully success the, by a million something. Right, right. Is. Yeah, it's the opposite of that. Um, but that way, I think I can, I can really be choosy. It's always when you like sign on with someone that you're like, oh, I don't know. Um, the next day, like the dream client comes along, and you're like, how am I gonna, how am I gonna juggle this? I don't want to have to hire somebody to help. So, mm-hmm. and when you're talking about signing clients. How do you bill? How do you make the design side of your business make money? I charge hourly almost exclusively. Um, mm-hmm. I've done both. I've had flat fees. It's great because you don't have to track hours. Um, but I find what works best for me is hourly because I can um, I can bail out at any time. <laughs> I don't feel like I owe any. If I charge somebody a big flat fee and they pay me a deposit, it's so hard to tell even with years and years of experience, it's so hard to see red flags. Um, or, uh, you know, it's also so hard to tell that someone that's a little prickly at first, a client turns out to be like the best ever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to tell that after one phone call or one meeting. Um, so I like to work hourly cause I, we can like, all right, let's start next week. And after a couple weeks or a month, I think both of us really know, like, this is going great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, let's keep going. Or, you know what? I'm not the guy for you, and you're not the client for me. Um, here's my hourly invoice for the past month. Let's shake hands and go away. That happens way more than you'd think it would with me. Do you, um, I mean, is that kind of like, do you almost like schedule that in your mind for like, okay, at some point we're going to have that conversation, like we're moving forward or we're not? Sometimes I feel like you can tell mm-hmm. if you're feeling it, they're feeling it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just a question of how it gets brought up and who brings it up and how awkward that is. I've had some <laughs> really great conversations where it's been like, I don't know if I'm the right person. It's more like, I, I don't think I can provide what you need. And mm-hmm. sometimes the client's like, I, uh, you know, I've had them say, you know, after starting this, I don't think we're ready to mm-hmm for this process and mm-hmm. let's stay in touch. I've gotten really great referrals from people who've essentially fired me <laughs> um, just cause I, I don't know. I think I've been able to, um, I mean, I'm still trying to get better with that. I've also had clients where I've felt like I needed to torpedo the job. So they, so they fire me. So I don't have to quit, which is, um, <laughs> very passive aggressive, but you know, um, I'm not like, it's, you know, sometimes it's like, I mean, I have to work to earn a living to pay mm-hmm. my bills. So, you know, um, but sometimes it's like, uh, this is, I can't really quit cause I don't have a good reason, but maybe if I, uh, I don't know, maybe they'll fire me. <laughs> um, maybe I can encourage that. So that's happened a bunch. Um, what? yeah, it's, that's like a competitive thing. I think with, with some people, you know, people are like that in relationships too. What do you mean? Like, we know we're both unhappy, but but let's stick it out. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. It shouldn't be like that uh, in business. You know, it should be like um, this isn't working. There's no way to fix it. I'm not going to change. That's for sure. Clients aren't going to change. So, um, but it's just impossible to tell after a meeting. You know, I like to try and present myself as who I really am. Mm-hmm. You know, both online and out of the gate. Clients are sometimes either on their they're either on their very best or their very worst behavior the first time we meet. Um, Is it one or the other? Like a pretty extreme? Yeah, I would say usually. Usually. Um, That's crazy too, because you're like, okay, I either saw someone's best version of themselves, and that's good or that's bad, or I just saw the worst version of someone, 
so maybe the rest of this will go great. How do you know? You don't. You yeah. don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, you think you know, um, and you're wrong every time. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's it's difficult. It's an intimate profession. We're in people's homes. We're dealing with m- money and, like, weird, like, family dynamics. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, it's hard to know, especially, you know, I'm getting to the point now where it used to be every client of mine was older than me, mm-hmm. like, because I was 30 or whatever, um, in my early 40s now. And now it's like, yeah, I've got some clients who are quite a bit older, and I have some clients that are quite a bit younger. How um, does that change your relationship with them? Young clients are the worst. So um, <laughs> newlyweds are the absolute worst. Um I do. I don't really have a contract, but if if I did, I think I would have a newlywed clause um, <laughs> where they just get charged double. What is it about them that makes them difficult? It just it really takes, I think, a long time in a relationship to be comfortable with money, um, and so much of what so much of what decision making comes back to is sort of budget stuff. Um, and you know, if you've been married for three months and whatever and you don't and know you just spent tens yet. of thousands of dollars on your wedding <laughs> right and you know and it's your first home or whatever mm-hmm. um i don't know it's that's difficult for anyone it's you know especially dragging in a designer um so i much prefer empty nesters <laughs> <laughs> um like mo- mo- most of my clients are families mm-hmm. um and there's a entitlement that younger people have that I think maybe older clients don't have. Like if you've like raised five children, you know, that are all now college age or older Mm -hmm. and you're building your forever home, um, you're going to react to like your whatever cabinet hardware has a long lead time differently than like, that's not going to phase somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, But if you try and tell that to talk about lead times with like, you know, some starter home newlyweds Mm -hmm. who want everything tomorrow who are used to buying it now and adding to cart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't really know that this conversation was going to get here, but um, sorry, I didn't either, but but... (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, It's just, that's it. It's tricky. I would encourage younger people to not hire designers probably. (laughs) Um, How do you look at scaling your business? Well, I, you know, the, my, my business resolution every week, every year is do not grow. <laughs> okay. Um, and I mean, I mean that just, you know, from a business perspective and emotionally mm-hmm. and, you know, it's just, I've seen it happen so many, so many times with my colleagues. There's a romantic ideal of a, being a small business owner, um, having employees and having an office and being able to say my team, <laughs> um, that, is really hard to um, fight against. That's like, it's maybe it's a American dream thing that people that, that is ingrained, but uh, scaling. Yeah. I hear you talking to other designers about this so much. And a lot of it is like, I want to get out of the nitty gritty and only Mm -hmm. do design. And I want to have a purchasing manager Mm -hmm. and whatever. So I can take on 20 jobs. Um, Scaling for me is not more jobs. Like I, I'm gonna take a nap after this call, <laughs> <laughs> and or maybe I'll play video games for an hour or something. That's a successful day for me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
more free time, less work, um, less having like the thought of delegating to somebody like is horrifying to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the thought of telling a design assistant to like go file something is terrible sounding to me. Um, <laughs> all that sounds terrible. Um, you know, I listened to the commune podcast mm-hmm. Dennis interviewed mm-hmm. the commune guy and he seemed to say that their office, there's no like breakdown in hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Like it's just flat, right? It's just flat. Um, and that's how it is in my office too. I just don't have any coworkers. <laughs> Success to me is not, is, is never having to do something I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean that I think creatively uh, and being creative is what's exciting to me about the, this career, you know, as much as interior design is a service industry, um, the, the little sort of nugget or slice of the, the, the pie that's create that's artistic mm-hmm. is what sort of exciting to me and what fuels me and creating things that didn't exist before, whether it's products or custom stuff or photographs or whatever, um, or relation, you know, relationships, um, that's what's exciting. Um, and that's, you know, the, the, the more I can do of that, the better, the more successful. We're taking a quick break from the show to hear more about a game-changing new sales tool called Side Door. The first thing you should know is that it's free for qualifying designers. Second, instead of the 1% to 3% you'd earn with a mass-market affiliate program, with Side Door, you'll make a 30% margin on average selling your favorite trade brands. Finally, instead of sending people to other sites, Sidedoor gives designers a way to have clients check out with you directly. And best of all, you don't have to deal with any of the fulfillment. The Sidedoor team places the order, coordinates the freight, and handles all of the customer service. Designers, request access at onsidedoor.com. Now let's get back to the show. I feel like in a lot of conversations I have with designers, people kind of throw out this figure that, you know, 20% of the work is creative and 80% is administrative. It's logistics. It's sort of all the not fun stuff. It's all the reasons that no one got into design. Do you feel like you've found a way to adjust that ratio somehow? Yeah. (laughs) The answer is yeah. (laughs) Like, what does Um, it feel like to you? I mean, how much for you, you know, you're talking about like, I wouldn't want to, you know, ask a design assistant to send an email or file something you know, but that means you're doing it yourself. Where does that ratio feel like it falls for you between the creative well, you know, the, and the execution side? If you're presenting a $400,000 furniture budget to a client with 400 items and everything had to get entered into a database and then afterwards every PO has to be written all at once, that's that takes a ton of time. If you're buying one sofa today, like that takes a minute. You add the line item to the invoice and you order the sofa. Um, that took five minutes, you know, and then you were done with it. And then a couple of days later you order the other thing. So because of the way I sort of shop also, I buy so much vintage that you don't have to deal with that stuff anyway. Um, because of that, like the administrative hours probably are equal mm-hmm. as these other places or people, but you're doing them, but, but you're spreading it out. You're not doing it in a month. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's today. That's what I did. I ordered. What did you do today? I ordered you a sofa. How from a 
procurement perspective does it work? Because I feel like the one sort of advantage of, you know, presenting those 400 items for that giant house is that then you take the giant deposit and, you know, the client pays you for all of that at once. Are How are you sort of processing client money as you go to not be, um, to not have risk yourself? It changes, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes, I mean, I'll like say I bought you your sofa. Can you Venmo me for the, you know, mm-hmm. for, or I'll text my client. Like this isn't, I'm not dealing with such high numbers for one, mm-hmm. you know, especially not all at once. So a lot of times it's like, I bought a couple of things today or can I get your approval? You know, I'll text a client, like, here's what I'm going to order. Um, can you, you know, send, tra- send me, send me a check mm-hmm. for this or Zell me, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll text you an invoice. So it's pretty low key. It's not like we're combing over giant invoices together. You know, some clients will send, pay me a deposit, not a, not a deposit, a, a retainer. And I'll just sort of keep track. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not that hard. Interior design's not that hard. You say you, <laughs> I also feel like you make the money part a lot less fraught somehow. How do you talk about money with clients? I, I don't. Okay. That's why it's easy. <laughs> it just does not come up. I would never ask what somebody's budget was. Um, I don't want to know. I, I know where I shop. Clients know where I shop. We'll go shopping or whatever. They'll see a price tag. And if they flinch, then, you know, but then what? Go hire somebody else. Um, Or, okay, um, I don't, clients aren't stupid. You know, they know how much things cost. If they don't, it's because they're, you know, 20 or something and it shouldn't be hiring an interior designer anyway. Um, If they're grownups and they've done it before, we sort of have a common language already in terms of that sort of stuff. So, yeah. And then sometimes, you know, it's very open. It's like, geez, this is a splurge. Check it out. You love it. You know, um, let's do it and we'll, we'll buy something cheap somewhere else, you know, so it evens out. But I'm not like, I'm not given a budget that I then stick to at the beginning. Um, also, I think it's easier when you're buying, like, I'm like that too. Like if I buy, if I need some clothes, like if I buy one shirt this week and then in a couple of weeks I buy like a pair of pants, that's less of a sting than if I buy the whole wardrobe like mm-hmm. in one day so it's, that's the psychology I use mm-hmm. uh, for myself <laughs> um, you know it's the same amount of money yeah it's just it's broken it up, feels different so it, it feels different and so that's how I like to spend money mm-hmm. um, how do you talk to clients about what you cost I tell them how it, my hourly is mm-hmm. and does anyone then ask you you know well how long do you think it's going to take yeah Sometimes, and I'll say, um, based on another job, I think it'll be 30 hours a month for a couple of months. Let's see, let's, let's start there and see where we're at. Um, and that's usually fine. Yeah. Anyway, uh, hourly, uh, hourly stuff again, it's sort of like, um, if they, if they've done it before, if they're grown up enough and worked with the designer or, you know, whatever, it's, they're not going to like question it. They, they don't question it. It's not that we're not talking about a ton of money for one. Um, you know, the bulk of their design, their, their budget is going towards buying things, not, not paying me. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I try and ballpark, um, how many hours I think it'll take, but it's like, that could mean anything, you know, once we really get started again, it's impossible. How do I know if they're going to take forever to pick out a dining chair? You know, um, I don't know until we start. So that's why I sort of like to keep it 
loose at the beginning. It's not a huge commitment. They're not, you know, they're not writing some fat design fee check. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's start and see if we click. I want to pivot for a second and talk about your new book, which of course is called Modern Americana. What made you want to do a book? I've always loved, you know, books and magazines, Mm -hmm. design books and design magazines were how I learned, Mm -hmm. you know, to be a designer, really, especially as somebody who's, who's so excited about photographing projects. If the end use is a four inch screen Instagram post <laughs> and you're putting all of this time into the detail, whatever, it's just like, uh, it's, it's like watching a movie on a phone rather than seeing it in the theater, you know, where it was intended and there's value in both, but being able to see these pictures, you know, and having a, a tangible like object it's a nostalgic thing i guess Mm -hmm. a little bit because i've always thought design books were you know that's what i spent my money on like i'm not gonna have money for pasta (laughs) dinner this week but i have this amazing coffee table book either i could either have dinner or i could buy a 50 dollar coffee table book Uh, it was always the coffee table book you know but also it's always like i didn't think it was something that would have been available to me you know why not um it just seems like that oh that's what grown-ups do (laughs) (laughs) you know that's what grown-up designers do Mm -hmm. they have you know they get old and write a book um but you know it's um it, it seemed like something like end a career thing you know um but it was for me it really pushed me to photograph things i hadn't photographed Mm -hmm. create photography and also you know writing is so hard like it's not for you because you're a writer for it's still hard (laughs) but you well you know what i mean yeah yeah it's it turns out okay so that's nice but it's still it's a really hard craft it's a really hard craft and i've have so much respect for professional writers um it's very hard to write simply um every designer thinks they're writers because they can write a caption on post (laughs) um so that sort of that was um i worked with a writer Mm -hmm. i mean whose name is on the cover of the book not a ghostwriter um so that uh that was um for a challenge Mm -hmm. that i wanted to do i knew i could produce the photos Mm -hmm. you know but um getting words down it's you know talking is easy but getting words down, reading a book that I'd want, writing a book that I'd want to read. Yeah. Um, what did that mean to you? It meant that it was as conversational as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, I took out all the adjectives. <laughs> oh um, man, design writing has a lot of adjectives usually. Who do you think of as the audience for the book? Like like the people that live on my street. Mm-hmm. You know, I live in the suburbs uh, outside of Portland um, in a modest neighborhood and everybody's out in their yard doing their own yard work mm-hmm. and fixing up their houses themselves. It's, um, it's n- aspirational is not how I would say it necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's, there's a lot of DIY. There's a lot of, um, you can do this yourself. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it's accessible to everybody. Um, there's also high end projects sprinkled in as, you know, this is a high end design project mm-hmm. that, I'll never live in a house like this and probably you won't either, but, (laughs) um, but you know, accessibility was the main thing. Mm -hmm. 
and, and you know, f- like fun, I guess. It's supposed to be fun. I'll say that to me feels like it sums you up in some way, that this process should be fun. Totally. Totally. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Have fun and be creative. Um, and hopefully that the book encourages people to have fun reading it mm-hmm. and have fun and be creative in their own homes and do it themselves as much as they can. That's amazing. Oh, this is so good. Thank you. Thank you. That's our show for today. Thanks so much for listening. Before you go, if you'd like to keep up with the latest design industry news, hear more great podcasts, check out new products, or browse job openings, head on over to businessofhome.com. If you have a note for the show or a story of your own to share, I'd love to hear from you. And you can email me at tradetales at businessofhome.com. Finally, if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others discover the show. Trade Tales is produced by me, Caitlin Peterson, and Fred Nicolaus. This episode was edited by Fred Nicolaus, and our theme music is by Kyle Scott Wilson. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you again in two weeks.